Goodness all over my life. 
Thank you so much for this day, and I just I thank you that I can see the evidence of your goodness in my life, and that has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with my circumstances. It has nothing to do with anything except you, God. The the goodness in my life is is all from you, and I thank you for that, and I praise you for that, and I thank you for meeting us here this morning. I thank you for being here. I thank you um, that you are worthy of our praise, and I just pray that we would just put away everything in our lives. I pray that we would just be able to block out everything that's going on, all the good, all the bad, everything, Lord, and just concentrate on you, concentrate on your goodness and your worthiness, and that we would just lift our hearts to you and worship.
cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. body bound and drenched in tears they laid him down in joseph's tomb the entrance sealed by heavy staff messiah
All right, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Turn there, if you would, Matthew 5, 6. I'm going to do something different in prayer. Mark, I'm going to ask you to get back up again. You turn the lights down about halfway, kind of like we do during our worship time. Matt, I'm going to step down for this prayer time. And uh, uh, I need this. I don't know if you do, but I, I know that I, that I do. Let me start this way um, for this prayer. Several weeks ago, I don't remember what it was. I don't know why we looked at it. I referred to it, read it. I'm not sure. The, the Lord's Prayer. And that part in the Lord's Prayer that when I read it, I don't know if it hap ever happens to you when you read something in Scripture and it just clicks with you. I mean, that, it's like the Holy Spirit saying, that's it. And it was that part in the Lord's Prayer that says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And when I read it, I, I, I remember, I don't remember why we were reading that, but I remember that moment when we read it, lead us not into temptation, but that deliver us from the evil one. And I thought, that's it. I not only thought that's it, I believe the Holy Spirit told me that's it. That's what you're facing right now. This satanic oppression, this satanic uh, opposition, that's what you're facing right now. That's why it's in the prayer. Deliver us from the evil one. Because the evil one is always doing whatever he can I, I put it like this, if you just want to have something kind of picture in your head. The uh, first word of the Great Commission to all disciples is to go. Go. So it's, it's as if the Holy Spirit's got his hand on my back. I don't mean he's pushing me like you would think, like we might say sometimes, but he is behind me, urging me on. And if I could put it in... Um, in a mental picture, Satan is in front of me with his hand on my chest, always trying to stop, stop, always trying to stop me. And if he can't stop me, he'll put a hurdle in my way or try to block my way or try to discourage me in my way. And ever since I read that a few weeks ago, that's been on my mind and I can see it and I've been praying it, Lord, deliver me. Deliver us, deliver me from the evil one. Because that's exactly what's going on. Is he's trying to stop, discourage, oppress in, in any way that he can. This all uh, day long, all morning long, that's been my struggle. To get my head right, my mind right, I can feel the spiritual opposition for me. Now, I don't know about you, but that's what this, that's what this prayer time's for. Uh, it's for me. If you want to you, you join in and pray, we invite you to. But I need it because I can feel the spiritual opposition trying to discourage me, slow me down, stop me. But I can also feel the Holy Spirit at my back saying, no, it's not time to stop. It's not time to get get discouraged. We don't have time for that. Okay. I don't know what's going on with you. I've kind of shared me. I don't know what's going on with you, what's happening in your world, 
but some I'm not going to blame everything that goes wrong on the devil. I'm not that I'm not that way. But I'm telling you that we do have spiritual evil opposition who wants to stop you, discourage you, get you to turn around, you try something new for the Lord and it doesn't work just real great right now and they just, you know, quit that and want you to quit, to stop, to back up, whatever. All different kinds of things. Do you know that? Do you feel that? Is any of that going on with you? We're going to have an, an invitation at the end of the service. Not really going to do that right now. I'm going to do this right now. If you need prayer for anything, but if you need prayer especially for what's going on according to what I just talked about, if, if you feel that opposition, if you feel that discouragement, you've been trying and you feel like you're just going to just want to give up, why, why try, you know? Why, why keep on trying? Because the Holy Spirit's at your back with his hand on, on you. That's, that's why. And so, now what I'm going to ask you to do, if you need prayer this morning, I'm just going to simply ask you to stand, but don't stand yet. I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to stand, but I'm going to ask you to not care if anybody else stands. Matt, if you would, put, that, put the title page back up there. Uh, this is not, the message today is not about see you at the pole, but that's what that, that is. There have been a lot of images through the years of students who went to the pole and they, they were the only one. But they stayed and they prayed. And I'm going to refer to that later on, but it, that's applicable for right now. If you need to pray... It doesn't matter if anybody else is at the pole, right? It's between Jesus and you. If you need prayer, I'm going to ask you to stand. Okay? This happened, you would never know this, but I thought of several people to come up here and pray. But I thought, well, I think I'll do it because the people that I thought of that might come up here and pray, they might need prayer. And everybody I thought of to come up here and pray is standing. We all need it at times. Father, uh, your word plainly tells us that we need to pray. Please uh, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. Satan's doing everything he can to discourage us, to stop us. Right now, I'm convinced there are quite a few people who didn't stand. The devil's uh, dis discouraging them. They're even to the point they, can't, they don't even want to stand and pray. Father, we need to be delivered from the evil one who is tirelessly against us, constantly trying to oppress us and stop us. There's no way I can see him. There's no way I can fight against that. 
but I can pray. And you are my deliverer. That's why the word plainly tells us, to, uh, deliver us. You are my deliverer. I have no one else that I can turn to, no one else that I can pray to. I don't have anybody else in my life that I want to pray to. And so I'm asking you, Lord, to deliver us from the evil one and the oppression and the, uh, the attempts to stop your work through us. I believe that you'll do it. I believe you are doing it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. This is a picture of a, a student on sea at the pole day, whenever that was. Uh, no one else was there, but he went ahead and prayed. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. Matthew 5, 6, the scripture on the screen. There is an outline of this on the back side of your announcements. You can like to use that. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Let's go ahead and write on to the next screen. Righteousness is something that God gives us, and it's given to us through what Jesus did for us. Now, we all, most of us get that. It's handed to us. It's a free gift. Salvation's free. This righteousness we're going to talk about today is not exactly that, but it is living out the righteousness we have received from Jesus. So Jesus hands me a righteousness that I can't earn, I can't pay for. He gives it to me. You are right with God. Righteousness. You are made right with God because of what Jesus did. Okay, that's a free gift. I can only receive it as a free gift. I can't earn that. Now, as a disciple of Jesus, I have this responsibility. That's not, I don't even like that word, and I'll explain why I don't like that word in a little bit. But now I have this chance to live that out. It was given to me, a right standing with God, but now I want to live that out. What's that mean? Now I want to change my life. I want to change my lifestyle to match the righteousness that I've received from Christ. So it's living out the righteousness we have received from Jesus. So there's two things going on. The righteousness that we receive, it's a free gift, but now I want to live it. So there's the hunger and the thirst. Hunger and thirst is not pleasant. You're hungry, you're thirsty, it's not a pleasant thing to go through. Now's the life change. Now I start to, what's that? I start changing the way I think. I start changing the way I talk. I start changing what I listen to. I start changing what I watch. I start changing where I go and how I go. I start, my life begins to change to match the righteousness that I've been given. A real rubber meets the road life change. My behavior begins to change. Everything about me begins to change. But it's not easy. And that's why Jesus uses the word hunger and thirst. It's actually painful, and that's why a lot of Christians don't go through it. Or they, or they stop along the way. And I'm kind of stuck on that thought that we're stopping along. It doesn't mean you're not a Christian. It just means that you're stopping along the way. There's so much more to go. When you use the word grace, try to show you this a little bit more. The next screen, grace, 
the, the first initial part of grace. The, the grace is the power to save from sin. And you're going to recognize the scripture, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, the, the power to save from sin. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, right? It's a gift of God. So all you can do is receive it. So there's the grace that's the power to save. The next use of grace, uh, the next screen, the grace is the power to defeat sin. Okay, there's the difference, right? There's a difference between grace that's the power to save and now the grace that's the power to defeat sin. Okay, it's just not true that saving grace by itself changes everything in your life. It's just not true that saving grace changes everything in your life. It's the beginning of the change in your life. Now it gives you the option to change. Now, now the grace that needs to kick in is the power to defeat sin. The power to see a real, actual life change. The one, there's grace that saves you. Now the grace that begins to produce the power to defeat sin. R Romans chapter 6 verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Okay, so now that grace begins to work. I've been saved by grace, but now this grace comes on me, in me, works through me. It begins to change the way I think, begins to change the way I talk, begins to change what I listen to, where I go, etc., etc. There's one verse in Titus that wraps those two thoughts up real nicely. Titus chapter 2, 11 through 12. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Every, everyone is welcome. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. So those two verses tie those two things together. There's a grace that saves us, it's available to all men, but a grace that also begins to work on us and we begin to change our life in this world we live in. So there's the combination. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. It's a, a painful part of letting go of some things in my life that I used to like, but it's not what God approves of. And it's the painful part of beginning to do some things and participate in and take hold of some things in my life that I really didn't, don't think I can, but it's what God wants us to do, okay? Uh, let me start this. There's a lot of things, of course, obviously, that I could say about that, but I want to start at a beginning point and I've been working on this a lot. The next screen, everything begins with a thought. So all I want to do right now is just talk about the way you think. Everything begins with a thought. Everything good and everything bad begins with a You thought about it. Okay, it popped into your head. Uh, you thought about it, it's good, so you do it. Or you thought about it, it's bad, and you, you do it. Everything, everything good or bad begins with a thought. 2 Corinthians 10.5 Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts, its, exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Let's leave that screen there for a minute. 
So I want to, I'm a, I've been saved, I'm a Christian, but now I want to change my life. I want Jesus to change my life. I want to be a part of that, changing how I think and how I talk, how I think. I'm not going to deal with all the rest of them. just want to deal with that first one, how I think. Begin to change the way I, the, how I look at things, how I look at people. And then because I'm, it's changing how I look at things and then how I look at people, it changes how I interact with all of that. It changes how I think, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So it's spending time, if we're serious about it, if we're really going to hunger and thirst after righteousness, if we're really going to begin to see a life change where I'm different than I used to be, this is where it starts with a thought. So I'm thinking, bringing every thought into captivity, and those thoughts that I know are, are not pleasing to God, God would not be pleased with it, God, it's, it's ungodly, then I let those thoughts go. It's changing the way I think, bringing every thought into captivity of Christ. This is, now the next screen is what I've been working on for about a, about a year and a half, Romans chapter 8, verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. You see that? Those who live according to who live ungodly lives, just do whatever they want to do. They set their minds on the things of the flesh. So the things of the flesh, the worldly things, what you want to do, that's what you think about. That's all you think about. You have set your mind on the things of the flesh. And so as long as you do that, nothing's ever going to really change. You're just always going to be who you always were. Because you set your mind on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, they have set their minds on the things of the Spirit. I've been working on that. I could do better. I need to do better. I want to do better. I intend to do better. But I've been working on that. Setting my mind on the things of the Spirit. So when these thoughts cross my mind that uh, it's, I just know that's not what God's pleased with is letting that thought go and replacing that thought with, with what I know God is pleased with. So it's taking your mind off the things of the flesh and setting your mind on the things of the spirit. Now this is an illustration I've used often. Many of you heard it so many times you can, re, you are, you can finish the sentence but it's like the lady who's in my study, she said, if I do that, the problem with that is what she's saying, if I do that, then I would have to think about Jesus all day long. Right. If I do that, then I would have to think about Jesus all day long. And there's never going to be real change in your life. It's not, it, nothing's ever, nothing's going to change until you do that. Until, because it starts with a thought. Until the thinking changes, nothing else will change. You can have all the good intentions that you want. But you're going through, and, and you might even try, you might even try maybe some outward things and make people think that there's change. 
But there's not really any change until the change begins changing in your mind. So it's setting my mind. When I know that I'm thinking about things that, that God's not pleased with, is, is letting those thoughts go and replacing them with thoughts that I know God is pleased with. When I do that, then real change begins to happen in my life. But it's not going to happen until it happens in my mind first. Setting my mind on the things of the Spirit, and that will help me overcome all that stuff of the flesh that I'm trying to overcome. It's hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Now, if you're not going to hunger and thirst after righteousness, if you're not concerned about changing the way you live, changing the way you think, then, hey, that's up to you. Then you're just always going to be what you are. Okay? Going through the motions, uh, making people think everything is okay, but hungering and thirsting after righteousness, what I'm getting at right here, is it's real work. That's why, that's why Jesus used the word hunger and thirst. It's not pleasant. It's real work. And right here is where Christians, and I, I, I don't know if they may, I don't, I don't know. This is where Christians back up and back off because that's not easy. To bring every thought into captivity to, captive to the obedience of Christ. Every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So when I'm sitting there and I've got le leisure time to think, every thought captive to the, to the obedience of Christ. It's exactly like the same as what Paul said here. Setting your mind. Setting your mind. That's a determined mind. Okay. That's where a lot of us say, man, that's, that's too much, you know. As, no, it's not, <laughs> but we might think so. I'm just not willing to do it yet, okay? I mean, I agree with what you're saying. I'm just not willing to do it yet, okay? We're going to move on, but let's just, yeah, Matt, let's just go and put this last screen up. There's two things I want to say here. I hadn't planned. The, the first one I want to say is not going to be on your notes. This righteousness will be painful for you, hunger and thirst, right? And for some others around you. Now, before I want to end, there's two things I want to say about that. If it's painful, and... Uh, boy, I'm going to be careful how... I'm not probably not going to say that part. If it's painful, why do I want to do it? I mean, you all may, you may agree with everything that's been said, but I just don't want to do it. Why would anybody want to do it? I mean, what's... I, thought, I think about things like that a lot, and this has been coming up a lot just in conversations, just in the ministry. It's this, some of these thoughts have been coming up a lot. Why do I want to do, why do I want to grow in Christ and go through all that work? Because I want to. The Holy Spirit at work changes your 
want to. And that's not a new thought. We've used that for years. But I want you to think about it right now. The Holy Spirit at work in you changes your want to. And you can't explain that. It doesn't make sense. What's the point of that? That some of the things that the Lord's going to ask us to do and even compels us to do. And like I said, I can feel the hand of the Holy Spirit on my back, you know, urging me on, not pushing me, but urging me on. You, you can do it. You can do it. This is what I want you to do. But it's that want to. That is unexplainable. It doesn't make sense. Why Christians go through some of the things that they go through. Why some of the Christians of the past and the present work the way they work. And, and they sacrifice like they do. And they work so hard and they give so much. And why do they do that? I mean, you're Christian any, anyway. Why are you going through all that? It's because of the Holy Spirit at work. He changes your want to. The hunger and thirst, there's really no reason to do it other than that God is at work in you changing your life. And he's given you this hunger to get through the hunger. He's given you this want to, that I, I want, nobody's making me change my life, the way I talk, the way I think, the way, but I want to. Now, here's what I want to, this is my original intention on this verse right here. Right, this righteousness will be painful for you and for some others around you. And that's where I, want, I need you to listen. This message is not for everyone in the room. Because some of you couldn't care less. Okay? You just couldn't care less. You're thinking about what you're having for lunch. You're thinking about what you're going to do this afternoon. You're wondering when is he going to get done. Um... Uh, there's another thing I'm going to say. I'm not going to say that. You just couldn't care less. But some of you really do care. For some of you who care, I don't want you to ever think that everyone else around you is going to care too. They don't. They never have. They never will. Everyone does not care at the same time. The Holy Spirit moves on us individually. And that's why, Matt, if you would, go ahead and put the, the title page back up. I asked Matt to change it and, and chose this one, the person standing at the flagpole. See, when, when that young man walked out there to the flagpole, there wasn't anybody else. What's the... What's the easy thing to do? Turn around and go back the other way. Would you do that? When you walk out to the flagpole, would you do that? I don't know. That's the hard thing to do. That's hunger and thirst. That's hard to do when you're the only one. If the Holy Spirit is working on you, I don't want you to wait on your friends because the Holy Spirit may never work on them like he is you. 
The Holy Spirit's working on you. And it's hard to be the only one. That's why it's called hunger and thirst. This is hard. It's not easy at all. That's why most Christians don't do it. Because it's hard. And because most Christians don't do it. And so the few who do take seriously what Jesus talked about, hungering and thirsting after righteousness. The problem is, the hard part is, a lot of times they're doing it by themselves. The only way that young man's going to go to that flagpole and pray by himself is for the Holy Spirit to have his hand on that young man's back. You can do this. You can do this. I'm asking you to do this. He wanted to do that. He, he wanted to. There's this, I'm trying to get out of your mind that everybody's going to be on board with you because they're not. But God is. And ultimately, we're, each one of us, every Christian in the room is going to stand before Jesus and he's the one that I want to make him proud. Obviously, there's other Christians on, on board. But I'm asking you to not wait on that. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Not everyone else. And you, I don't know. I don't know what he's going to ask you to do. Where he's gonna, what's he going to ask you to stand for? But what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? I'm going to ask the musicians to come, and we are going to have our prayer time right now. I'm going to ask the congregation to stand, please. Just take a minute, listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit as he speaks to us. I'm going to ask you to do that. I'm going to ask you to listen to the Holy Spirit as he speaks to you individually. Let's just try not to be thinking about everyone else in the room or what they think. Or This is between Jesus and me. Has the Holy Spirit been working with you? speaking to you, drawing you, maybe his hand on your back as he urges you on? Is the Holy Spirit talking to you about things in your life that need to change, not the things in other people's lives, things in your life? And you want to talk to the Lord about that. You need to you need to pray to him about that. You need to ask for help with that. Not what's going on with anyone else. What's going on with you. If you're having trouble with how you think, if you're having trouble with what you do and what you say, and just, Lord, I, just, I need some help with this because I really do believe that you, that you want me to change this. I need help. That's what this, that's what this prayer time is for. So we're not concerned with who else comes. 
we're concerned with, with me. We're concerned with me. If you need to come and pray and talk to the Lord about anything while they play and sing, we invite you to come and pray. One with God, the Lord Most High. Your hidden glory in creation, now revealed in You, our Christ. What a beautiful name it is! What a beautiful name it is! What a beautiful name it is, nothing compares to this, what a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. You didn't want heaven without us, so Jesus you brought heaven. Your love is greater. What could separate us now? What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a wonderful name it is. Nothing compares to this, what a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus. Jesus Christ, my 
nothing can stand against What a powerful name it is The name of Jesus You have no rival You have no equal Now and forever God you reign Yours is the kingdom Yours is the Powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a powerful name. 